And here we go, Rackhouse Ramblings, episode number 18, take uh, 73, I think it is. Okay, so here we go. It's been a few weeks. I have to apologize for that. Um, to give everyone an update, you probably saw on my Instagram a, a gory picture of my hand that was sliced across the knuckles. So about 10 days ago, I had an accident with a, uh, a mirror, and I grazed, I shouldn't say grazed, I was sweeping a garage floor, and the back of my hand... Uh, ran across the edge of a mirror. This mirror was laying on a countertop and that the, the edge of the mirror was just hanging over uh, the countertop a little bit. And as I was sweeping the floor in the garage, my knuckles uh, went straight across the edge of that mirror and uh, cut me right across the knuckles. So the technical thing is uh, they call it lacerated extensor tendons on two of my fingers. So once I cut my my uh, hand across the back of the knuckles, the two fingers, the middle finger and the ring finger, on my right hand, they just kind of fell right into the palm. Um, and I couldn't pull them back up. <laughs> so I knew something was wrong right away. Uh, the injury didn't hurt or anything like that. There's a lot of blood and uh, I couldn't pull those fingers back into place. So went to the emergency room, they uh, sewed me up and uh, gave me a re referral to, the next morning to go see a uh, hand surgeon. And so I think that was on a Thursday and Friday, I saw the surgeon. Tuesday, I went under the knife uh, last Tuesday. And uh, our surgery is way overrated. It's not nearly as easy as people think. I don't know, call me a sissy or whatever. But it was a very eye-opening experience. And I guess probably for the first part of this podcast, I'm, I'm going to talk about the things that have happened. It really opened my eyes. And it's pretty much changed uh, how I go through my day-to-day -day life for the next um, couple months, it sounds like. So being I'm right-handed, uh, imagine taking your dominant hand, wrapping it up in a big old cast, and uh, now get through life day to day, I guess. So one of the first things I noticed was tying my shoes. Way to go. Ann and I went shoe shopping, and I had to get a couple of pair of shoes that have no laces, so like slip-ons, because now that you're left-handed, you can't really tie a knot. And the other one was pants. So if you have button-up pants, just doing a button... <laughs> that's pretty tricky and a zipper and all that left-handed it's a right-handed world that's for sure so now I've been wearing gym shorts and t-shirts so I can't wear a, a button-up shirt because I can't do a button and you don't realize all these little things that we uh, take for granted <laughs> and it sounds so cliche but it's so very very true even uh, driving your vehicle so if you grab your ignition key put it in the ignition and turn that's your right hand so now take away that right hand if you take your left hand and reach across the steering wheel and try and put it in the ignition and turn it. Think about that. Luckily, I have a push start car, but I was in Ann's car the other day and tried it. And it was, uh, I wouldn't say impossible, but it's challenging, you know, without a doubt, everything has been uh, uh, quite a bit more challenging. And so I, for a while there, I was thinking, oh, it's great to have some time off. I can do all these things. And then as I go mentally through all the things I want to do, uh, uh, work on my moped project and, uh, work on this little bathroom remodel I'm going I've got halfway started here but now those are all pretty much out of uh out of the realm of possibility one-handed to try and turn a wrench one-handed to try and do anything like that um so I've been at a, at a standstill and then of course you say oh no I've got so much time here I can podcast all this and so I sat down and I'll be honest with you I probably sat down in the the studios or rack house ramblings here in my bourbon room. I've sat down at this very spot, open up the laptop, plug in the mic. And I guess I didn't realize how dependent I am 
on using a mouse right-handed. So now get rid of your mouse and try and do left-handed. And when I do all this uh, audio editing and all the uh, recording and things like that, some of it's precision. I have to zoom in uh, on some sound wave, uh, the sound file and things and edit and clip and join. And I started to get frustrated. And I, I'm not kidding when I say I've probably done it a dozen times where I've started and stopped and started and stopped just getting frustrated. So what I felt like would be the best remedy is to just sit down and start talking and get it going. And I'll explain to you normally when I do a podcast, and I've told quite a few people this, I do a lot of prep work and I don't like to just sit down, turn on the microphone and start rambling. I think I owe it to you guys that are listening. Um, I owe it to you to have my shit together and have a point and have an agenda and have a script. So I will type out a script. They're usually, I, don't, I think the shortest one is eight pages and the longest one has been 20 pages. So as I'm doing my podcast, I'm reading a script and that way I can be precise and not waste your time and not ramble on and have some focus and have some direction. That's normally how I do it. So I tried to, to do how I normally do it, but the, for me to be a little bit creative and, and type, do all these things I type, and of course I type two-handed. And I said, oh, well, with modern technology, I can use some dictation uh, voice recognition software on Microsoft Word. And I sat down to do that. And what I found was that before I speak, I have to think about it and then say the words and then it record, then it uh, translates it into script. But that's not how I uh, normally process things. When I do things, I think, and it goes right to my hands and goes on to the screen. And for me, that seems to work the best. So I started doing that, started a script and it just wasn't working out. So I kind of put that to the side and now I've landed on this. I'm just going to uh, say some thoughts. I'm going to talk about what's going on, talk about what I can remember as my agenda that I wanted to talk about or my show I wanted to talk about. So we probably won't have um, the segment format. Uh, what I think I'm going to do is uh, talk about my ideas, express them, get them out. And if the podcast is a little bit shorter, so be it. If it's a little bit longer, so be it. Uh, I'll try not to ramble on, but in my head, I kind of have some bullet points that I wanted to talk about. Uh, and we'll kind of go through that and see how it goes. And I want you guys to kind of give me some feedback go over to my comment section on Podbean or send me a text or what have you. And um, hopefully you guys like it. I know it's going to be a little bit different. There's definitely going to be no new guitar licks. <laughs> so if I do happen to edit in all my uh, little openings and transitions and things like that, those are things from the past. So there won't be any uh, new guitar playing, no new, no instrument playing whatsoever for a while, which is very frustrating too. But uh, be patient with me. I appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see what we can do. So right out of the gate, uh, hand injury, right hand, going to be out of work till sometime in October. And uh, it really, this frustrates my hunting season. I had all sorts of plans uh, to go up and do some, uh, update some food plots for August I like to do. Uh, also was building a deer blind. And it's five foot by six foot by about uh, almost six feet tall. So pretty much like a small shed. And I built the four walls right here in my garage in Northville. And my plan was to transfer the four walls up north and put them on a, an elevated platform that I built last fall. And so now that's kind of on hold. <laughs> so it's sitting in the garage where Ann normally parks is my shed slash uh, deer blind. <laughs> so I'll have to figure that out. Then the other thing was... Um, going out for uh, the early uh, antler this season, or the antler this weekend, 
on private land. And so I think what I'm going to do is uh, try and borrow a crossbow. And I should be able to work a crossbow from a blind. Uh, and this season, it sounds like I'm going to concentrate more on hunting from the ground, which is new to me. Uh, anybody that knows me and knows I like to, to bow hunt, I use a, a climber, a summit uh, climber stand. And I love my climbers. And because I'm only going to be one-handed for a while, I won't be able to use a climber. Probably, I won't even be able to climb up a tree. So this is, I'm uh, kind of excited for this. This is new for me, a new challenge. And I, I like challenges like that. I like to step it up a notch. I like to get out of the comfort zone a little bit and do things a little bit different. And so I'm kind of looking forward to uh, hunting from the ground. So that being said, hunting from the ground, probably the first... I'm guessing maybe a week or so will be with a crossbow, and then hopefully I can transition. Um, being that the two middle fingers on the right hand, are, they're kind of in a cast isolated. The uh, My hand doctor was able to leave my first finger out of the cast, which really helps. My first finger and thumb, just being able to uh, have access to those. I, it, I should say it helps, but um, it's nowhere near 100% of what you're used to. And it just feels more comfortable on the hand. The first cast I had for the first uh, four or five days, all four fingers were casted together. And it was kind of like having a paddle, like a club on your hand. And it's very uncomfortable. You know, I can, I know inside the cast, I can move one of my fingers, my first finger. The other two, if you move them, it feels like you're getting electrocuted. So I try not to move those. And it's like a, I guess to describe it, it's like an electric shock that goes from your knuckle up through your forearm past your elbow into your shoulder. And it is like a direct, it almost feels like a line that just zaps you straight up. So I try not to move those fingers. And even now after the surgery, um, it, it, it's definitely, you notice it. If I accidentally move those fingers inside the cast, the cast is super tight because he doesn't want these fingers to move. Uh, evidently the first seven to 12 days is the most important in the healing process because they take these two tendons and think about two pieces of rope. If you took a piece of rope and cut it and um, a piece of rope will fray as you cut it and that's what a tendon can do. I believe mine were sliced so clean that there was none of the fraying but the idea is uh, they do a figure eight stitch and it brings the two tendons close together where they touch and it and it, the whole idea is the stitch isn't what holds the tendon, it's the tendons will grow back together. So those first seven to 12 days of growth and healing are the most important from what I'm reading. So of course I had to research it, go on YouTube, go on Wikipedia, all that sort of thing, broke out my uh, anatomy book to see exactly what it is. And if you go to a, uh, one of those anatomy books and it looks at the hand without the skin on it, and you'll, what you'll see is the extensor tendon is like a white ribbon that goes on top of your knuckle. So if you hold your hand and put your palm away from you and you see your knuckles, you spread your fingers, there is right across the top of each knuckle is like a white ribbon under the skin. And that's called the extensor tendon. What that one does is pulls your finger, uh, your fingers back open. When you close your hand, the tendons that close it are on the inside in your palm. And the tendons that open your hand and open your fingers uh, are called the extensor tendons, and those are on the outside, on the back side of your hand, on the uh, going across the top of that knuckle. So that's what I severed were some of those. Um, it's relatively simple surgery. The surgery didn't even take, I don't even think, 30 minutes, 45 minutes to put it back together. But I was in the uh, outpatient surgery for like four hours. It was the longest four hours forever. Now, 
speaking of that, I'm going to kind of change subjects here. So uh, being a first responder, being a paramedic, being at the fire department, um, every time uh, a patient will go to the hospital, now there's no visitors allowed. So they go in alone. And I never really thought about, I have thought about it, but not as much until it's you. So when I was dropped off at the surgery center and waits outside, they and I walk in alone and there's nobody in a waiting room. You knock on the door. Here's a giant lobby and the door's closed. They let you in. You go right back to your room and there's no visitor. So you're alone. And you think, okay, no big deal. But I was thinking about it. So here I am waiting for surgery and I was supposed to be next in. Then they came and said, oh, we're going to do an ankle in front of you. Oh, there's another guy with a hand in front of you. We're Hope you don't mind waiting a little bit longer. Doctor wants to do you last so he can concentrate on this and that. And okay, and I'm being patient. So I ended up being in the little uh, pre-op room for two and a half, almost three hours. And you think, oh, it's no big deal. But really, it's it's kind of uh, an isolate, I guess, what would you call it? Uh, humbling experience because you're alone. And you know, you think, oh, my phone. And I didn't think anything of it. I put my phone with my belongings and they put them in a bag and throw them across the room and start an IV. Now you're kind of sitting in this bed. And I thought, you know, I'm pretty lucky. I'm only going to be here a few hours. But if you took a loved one to the emergency room, to the hospital for anything with any length of time, you know, even if it wasn't Corona, say, for example, you had the stomach ache or if you had uh, a blood pressure problem or sugar, any of those where you're going to be there overnight or a day or two, it would be a very, very lonely experience. And I, I got a taste of it and it was very... Um, eye-opening. And I, I, I have to empathize or sympathize. I'm not sure which one to use, but if somebody goes to the hospital for that, you know, if you were having chest pain, if you're having anything to drop somebody off and not know what's going to happen. And now, you know, from the perspective of the person in the emergency room, in the hospital, in the, in the bed alone, that's pretty daunting. And then if you're out in the parking lot and was worried and finally after three hours called them, and they had to explain, hey, you know, we're just wrapping up. Why don't you come on in? And that was that. But it was uh, a very eye-opening experience. I thought I wanted to share that with you guys. It's If you think about it, most of us don't think about it. We're all invincible. None of us ever gets hurt, right? <laughs> None of us ever goes to the hospital, never wants to go to the hospital. But if you do or if you've taken someone there, think about that. It is very lonely. And I can only imagine, um, you know, you're a senior citizen, our parents, our grandparents, and most of us are tech savvy enough to have a smartphone and be able to text and chat. But there are many people out there that don't. You know, think of your grandma, your grandpa, your aunts, uncles that they don't text, they don't Zoom, they don't FaceTime, they don't do any of that. And it would be extremely, extremely lonely. I just wanted to share that with you guys to uh, uh, talk about that. So let's change subjects. Um, sitting home, I've been watching a lot of TV, of course. I'm trying not to do anything strenuous and take it easy and it's like torture. But anyway, so a uh, new TV show I'm watching. Uh, first episode came out on Discovery Channel. It's called Growing Belushi. And Belushi sounds familiar because John Belushi from the Blues Brothers, but this is Jim Belushi, his brother. And it is a funny, funny show. It is a reality-based, uh, revolves around uh, Jim Belushi and a cannabis farm that he started in Oregon. And I found it really humorous and really funny and really relatable. And um, he's pretty entertaining. And he, of course, he is, I guess you'd call it the star of the show. He's the name, of course, right? But all the different characters in there are mostly family members. And one interesting thing that caught my eye, I'm a huge John Belushi fan. If you didn't know, Blues Brothers are one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things in the world. 
And uh, John Belushi was such a creative guy and could do anything. I don't know if you guys knew, but he was athletic. He was going to play college football. Whatever this guy tried, he was he was good at. So whether it was sports, athletics, acting, singing, you name it, this guy could do it. So one of the things that Jim Belushi talked about was, and it was just real brief. He said, you know, um, my brother John in high school played football, was a linebacker, and uh, I think there were so many hits to his head that he had some kind of uh, uh, closed head injury, and he was self-medicating uh, with drugs and alcohol. He goes, if we knew then what we know now, I think he'd still be alive. And that was one of the uh, premises for the cannabis is uh, pain relief and patient care and treatment. Um, not so much to get high, but for another way to medicate. So he, and it was a like a serious moment, but that made me think, wow, what an interesting thing to think about you know, that if we knew then what we know now about head injuries. So anyway, that was one of his little spiels on the show. And another interesting fact from the show was that, um, and I'm not real up on this, but marijuana and cannabis, they have different uh, strains. Just like if you were to go to the store to buy tomatoes, there's beefsteak tomato, Roma tomato, cherry tomato. Well, cannabis is very similar that way. And of course, they have all these crazy names, Kush this and monkey shine that and whatever, cheesecake this. But one of his strains was called Captain Jack. And the story behind Captain Jack was that there was a marijuana dealer that would hang around Saturday Night Live when John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and all them guys were there, and his name was Captain Jack. And Captain Jack had his own special marijuana, and he made a trek to, I think they said it was Pakistan, and he was able to bring back seeds from Pakistan of this very uh, specific strain that had characteristics of mellowing and no paranoia and really smooth and all this. So he brought the seeds back, and these are what Jim Belushi is growing, a special strain called Captain Jack. And I knew nothing about this, of course. And sure enough, this individual, Captain Jack, who all this is named after, is working at the farm. And he's really quite the character. He is a skinny guy, very uh, not presumptuous at all. As a matter of fact, everyone on the show is very laid back, as you would expect. And they make like jokes about cheese balls and eating and all this sort of thing. But um, it was pretty funny and eye-opening about this Captain Jack thing. And then one of the other things that the show, uh, uh, I guess, educated me a little bit on was that it's um, not just like a farmer growing uh, crops. There is science involved and technology and uh, biology. And so during the show, uh, this Captain Jack strain is being, it's like in a nursery, right? Where you raise little things and make them big things. And so there's 240 of these Captain Jack plants, and they say, hey, uh, today at 5 o'clock, these Captain Jack plants need to be sprayed with this specific uh, organic herbal herbicide, whatever it is, to keep mites, keep little bugs off of it. And it's some kind of vegetable-based something or other. And so he gets out the garden pump sprayer and sprays the plants. Well, apparently, you, the spray, uh, if it's left, if you have the lights on, it turns into something toxic that kills the plants. And sure enough, Jim Belushi, after five o'clock, sprays plants, walks out the door and leaves and forgets to turn off the lights. Well, they have cameras everywhere. So they show a time-lapse. Here's all these plants looking all green and healthy. And then the time-lapse goes and they all just wilt to nothing. And the guys come in the next day and say, what the hell happened? And Jim goes, what do you mean? So you killed all the plants. He goes, what are you talking about? Here's the video. You left the lights on. Oh, shit. So the Captain Jack guy, 
was pissed. <laughs> really, he killed all of his plants. And these seeds, I guess, are very special and hard to come by and all this. But it was pretty interesting. I never knew there was that much science involved in all this. And it turns out the other thing he was telling me, which I never knew, is all the plants that they grow, there's male plants and female plants, in case you didn't know. But all the plants that they're growing are female plants. And of course, Jim Belushi says, like all species, the male plants are useless, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. So anyway, check it out. It's called uh, Growing Belushi. Really think it's going to be a good show. Um, that's one of the things I was watching. Now, uh, another one I watched was uh, Umbrella Academy on Netflix. I don't know if you guys watched it. I binged it all the way through. Pretty cool. Uh, that one, it's a little slow here and there, but you got to pay attention. Um, I thought it was neat to watch. I I wouldn't give it like 10 stars, but it was pretty good. Another one, uh, caught up on Yellowstone, watched the whole season. I love that show. Then uh, another one, season finale of Alone. You guys should be watching Alone. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It was a real deal. That was some cool shit. And then uh, Mountain Man, Mountain Men's another favorite of mine. So watching a lot of TV like that, trying to take it easy. And let's see what else. I've got... Got to get back to my book. I'm reading a Mark Fidrich autobiography. I think I'm going to take some excerpts out of that and tell you guys about it. And uh, I think you'll like that because Mark Fidrich came up. Haven't been watching much baseball. Uh, tried to watch some hockey, but I'm having a hard time getting into it. Uh, what else do we got going on? So I'm going to give you guys a little heads up next weekend. I am going to take a road trip down to Kentucky. And I'll try and uh, bring my podcast stuff with me and try and do it from down there. But uh, if you go down I-75, drive through Ohio, and at the very bottom, the tip of Ohio is Cincinnati, and you cross the Ohio River. And when you cross on the other side is Kentucky, and that's the part I'm going to. It's Covington, Kentucky. And if you do a Google search on something called Beeline Kentucky, B, the letter B, hyphen line Kentucky, what you're going to see is the very beginning of the Bourbon Trail starts right there in Covington, Kentucky. And it's not been known as a huge hub of bourbon because really the hub of bourbon is Louisville and South. So this is the very beginning in Covington. And there's no real big distilleries there, but there's three craft distilleries there. One of them is New Riff and one of them is Boone County. Um, can't remember the third one, but anyway, I'll update you guys uh, as we go. I'll try and do another podcast here in a few days, and maybe I'll focus more on that beeline trip. But the idea is that uh, you can stay right there in Covington, uh, hit the three distilleries. You can hit, uh, there's three or four restaurants and bars, and it's all bourbon-themed, bourbon-related, and really it's not a very far ride at all. So we're going to go for two nights, Ann and I, and uh, do some bourbon stuff, and a couple goals that I'm going to try and do is do some distillery tours, do some tasting um, also, I want to try and do, uh, I want to see how far I am from Big Bone Link, Big Bone Lick, Kentucky. If you remember, it seems like so long ago, I talked about Big Bone Lick State Park and the cool sign they have out on the freeway and what it's all about. I want to try and swing by there. And uh, what else do I want to do? I have a couple of things. Oh, Liquor Barn. So in Kentucky is a, is a I think they're famous, but it is a... Uh, store that sells liquor, spirits, wine, alcohol, and things like that. But it's the size of a grocery store, and that's all they sell. And they have all sorts of specialty items. And it's one of my favorite places because the selection is so, so good. You can walk down, imagine a whole aisle at Kroger, both sides left and right of bourbon. 
the whole thing, front to back, top to bottom. And that's one of my favorite, favorite places to go. So that's also coming on the agenda. And uh, let's see what else. I go in to the hand doctor tomorrow and they're going to cut this cast off, pull some stitches, put another cast on. So I'll give you guys an update on that. And I think, let me try and think here. Uh, that might be about it. Uh, for right now, that's all I can think of. I, you know, what's going to happen as soon as I stop, I'm going to upload this and, uh, I'll probably think of something else. So once again, thanks for listening. I apologize. This, this episode, uh, I'm not going to put any of the guitar stuff in. I'm not going to put any of the opening or the closing or anything like that. It, this is all going to be verbal. I'll try and do the next one with a, a nice clean open and then a little closing at the end and we'll see what we got. But I wanted to really get this one out of the way. It feels uh, good to just uh, talk. Hopefully I can organize my ideas a little bit better. I'll try not to waste your guys' time, give you some cool stuff to listen to while you're walking, working out, uh, doing housework or whatever. So Rackhouse Ramblings, episode number 18. Uh, Thanks for listening, and I'll try and put one up here in the next couple of days. All right, guys, be safe.